0: Back in the studio, back in the valley for episode 13. I'm your host, Shane Gillette, on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. The end of the month, it's August 31st. As it's, the you know, doesn't feel like it living in in Phoenix, but entering the fall months of the year. Uh, Exciting time. The NFL is coming back. Lots of MMA action, as you already know. And uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, coming back from Montana has definitely been a little bit of a heat shock. It was 115 for the first four days that I came back. And August in Montana was a lot cooler than I'm used to. Uh, I never remember many days under high 80s in August living there. And there was probably five days of around the 60 degree weather with some storms, which was great because it cleared the smoke, put out the fires. And then it was mid to high 80s the rest of the time. And uh, we spent a lot of time on the water in the lake. So coming back, uh, I've been dying. I've been living in the AC life. Uh, got my cold plunge coming back. Uh, never realized how much I love the cold plunge until I didn't have it for a month. And just really the kind of cheat code-like aspect that cold plunge brings to my day-to-day routine, my life. Uh, it's been a blessing. But trying to acclimate back in Arizona, Labor Day weekend, fantasy football drafts going on. Uh, going to a Drake concert, Drake and 21 Savage next week. Super stoked about that. And then uh, we'll be heading to Vegas soon to see Steelers Raiders Sunday night football. That's going to be a ton of fun. In uh, a few weeks after that, I head to LA to go watch Steelers Rams. Two new stadiums. It's a blessing. But enough of my life. Let's jump right into MMA as, you know... These international cards haven't been stacked, but a fun little early card last weekend. The zombie retirement. We have the return of Thug Rose moving up to flyweight. I feel like not enough people are talking about it. Cyril Gunn in Paris and lots of MMA fights that have been booked. So kicking it off, we had a Dana White Contender Series alum, Peyton Talbot, who we just recently talked about. Uh, and looked really good. Very young fighter. Taking on Nick Aguirre, November 18th. So excited to see what Talbot can do in his UFC debut. We have Gabriel Bonfim and Nicholas Dalby, November 4th. The young stud Gabriel taking on the, the veteran who's on a high rise. So that should be a really great stylistic matchup. A lot on the line for Dalby. We got Nasrat Haparis coming back to the octagon. Taking on Landon Cañones an Ultimate Fighter alum who didn't win but is getting a UFC opportunity on a pay-per-view card, UFC 293. Uh, I believe that's the Sydney card coming up. Some veterans here. We got Darren Elkins, TJ Brown, October 14th. Um, I would not expect that to be anything less than a straight banger as long as it lasts. A very high-quality fight in the women, uh, w- women's MMA. We got Amanda Ribas- Luana Pinheiro, November 18th, a huge, huge bout for a after the last loss. Really excited to see that one play out. And not the fight I was expecting, but excited to see this guy back in. We have Joe Pfeiffer, be like Joe, taking on Abdul Razak Alhasan, October 7th. Nothing against Abdul, but I was hoping a little bit higher up in the climb and the rankings I doubt anyone wants to fight Joe, so an opportunity for him to keep the win stacked up. And another really interesting bout, Paul Craig-Brendan Allen main event November 18th, right before Thanksgiving. That's a huge, huge bout uh, against one of the most prolific fighters uh, in the UFC roster, the young Brendan Allen getting a chance uh, to to do that and climb up the rankings. And for Paul Craig, a, a fast track to go to the middleweight upper uh, echelon of the division. And then Anthony Hernandez pulled out of his fight after Chris Curtis pulled out of his fight. Roman Kapilov, uh inserted because of short notice. Because Anthony Hernandez is out now with the torn, torn ligament, Josh Fremd is in. So we got Josh Fremd, Roman Kopalov after two guys have, have pulled out. And then... This has been surfacing around the internet. We posted on Thursday Thoughts today at Boza TKO social media. Ronda Rousey open to UFC return at UFC 300. I mean, there's a lot of specifics and you could almost say like uh, conspiracy theories about what's going down at UFC 300. I would not be shocked now that Ronda Rousey is a free agent if she came back. Um, I talked about her fighting for the featherweight championship. I'm not too sure what her weight's at. But uh, maybe a fight with Misha Tate would make sense as well. So we got specific numbers on the Jake Paul, Nate Diaz fight. Not super specific numbers for UFC 292, but Jake Paul, Nate Diaz did $450,000 or 450,000 pay-per-view buys, which is quite a good number for them in uh, spoof boxing, you know, uh, video blogger boxing. That's pretty good numbers. And then UFC 290 to the Sugar Show. Estimated, not official. Sean even talked about it on the Bro Mally Show. You know, it's hard to get specific with these numbers, but roughly 500,000, which is a, a, a pretty solid number. The only one to really climb over 700,000 is, is the McGregor Show. Conor, in his title fights, is upcoming to a title. So 500,000 for the first title fight of the Sugar Show. If you don't know, now you know. Can't wait to see what those numbers officially are, and if, if he could really bring in that star power. But enough of that. We had two episodes of the Contender series. Was able to get episode three and four in for this week. Um, episode three recap: We had Lewis. Hello, he looked good at featherweight. Pretty solid fighter. Um, Zachary Reese got a contract via an armbar submission. But he was really getting wrecked until he just kind of slid into that armbar on his back. So uh, Zachary Reese, welcome to the UFC. But, you know, really want to see what he can do moving forward. And then Oban Elliott got a majority decision win, but it was a scrap. Dana gave him a contract. So first episode that not everyone got a contract. And to be honest, the fighting competition here was meh. I thought the most exciting thing so far a contender series is probably Peyton Talbot, who I, I talked about being booked against Nick Aguirre November 18th. And then episode four. This was the best episode with the qu- most quality fights, I think, that uh, has been out this season. And this is what the contender series is all about. Uh, Dana keeps hyping it up, how it's it's the shit. This is the only way to go. Will Bolai Oki with a round one TKO savagery And I thought his opponent looked really good as well. And then Thomas Peterson getting a round two submission. He gets a contract. And although this guy didn't get a contract, only 24 years old, Timothy Kawamba, I thought he looked great. I did not think he actually won the fight. They gave him the decision though. He did not get a contract, but I'm sure we'll see him back. Potentially another contender series opportunity or a couple circuit fights coming back. Uh, This kid looked really good. And then... The whole storyline of the whole episode was how hyped up the kickbox kickboxer Yusri Belgori is. He had kickboxed with Izzy, Alex Pietta, beat Alex. He trains with Alex and Glover now. They're friends. And what makes him so intriguing is he's got uh, a height of six foot five and just reached for days. He looked like uh um uh, what was the number one overall draft pick? The the, the guy uh, that got drafted to the Spurs so uncoordinated, long, and lanky, he just was slow, he didn't, you know, them talking about him beating Alex, I thought he was going to make a statement and climb right up the ladder board in the UFC as well, he didn't even get the victory, Marco, uh, Tulio just battled with him, out in him, and, uh, really just, you know, forced a, a close-range fight, and was up against the cage with U3 most of the fight, so, Interesting that you know they hyped this guy up so much, he couldn't get the dub, no contract done there. And then Carlos Prates with a round one knockout. Look out for Oki, look out for Kawamba, look out for Protes. The, these guys all looked great. Um, so excited to see what the next few episodes of the Contender Series brings in. Moving on, we also had PFL this past week. We had some interesting semifinal matchups. We had Magomed, Magomed Kirimov. Unanimous decision over Solomon Renfro. I didn't think Magomed looked fantastic in this fight. I expected more from him. Sadabu C with a split decision victory over Carlos Leal. Sadabu's definitely improved his wrestling and grappling takedown defense. You know, uh, Carlos had him up against the cage multiple times. Couldn't get the takedowns. And Sadabu got a narrow victory just by getting enough strikes in. Uh, debatably, though, this was a, a pretty lackluster fight. Sadabu got some good strikes in round one. Round two and three was just him defending against the cage. And then OAM, Olivier, Alboon Mercier, with a round two TKO over Bruno Miranda. OAM has looked fantastic. I think he's fighting at his peak right now. I'm really interested to see how these matchups take place. you are going to get Sadabu, C, Magomed, Magomed, Kiramov, And then the main event... Shane Burgos, another L in the PFL. His stock is sinking, but golly, this was a fight of the year candidate, no matter the promotion. Clay collared with the unanimous decision. This guy's just a savage, man. I mean, straight savage. The volume that Clay threw, I thought after round one, Shane was going to come on and Clay was just going to be gassed. I mean, I don't have the ability to look up PFL strikes off the top of my head or how to... But I'm telling you, this guy threw over like 130 significant strikes in round one. Um, Crazy, insane numbers. You know, that's like Max Holloway numbers, but he threw with a lot more effort and energy than Max Holloway typically does. And Shane, although he didn't throw as much, was sniping him. The leg kicks were brutal. Um, I thought as the, the fight went on, he should have stuck with the leg kicks a little more. But every time Shane was throwing good counters, good offense, he was landing it's just Clay was overwhelming. He was like the Tasmanian devil up in Burgos's face. He said he kind of took this fight personal as much as he's done for the PFL, you know, ex-UFC fighter himself. All it was was about the Shane Burgos side of things, especially him fighting um, in New York for the first time. He's a Jersey guy. Really impressed by Clay Collard, though. Way to be, you know, come in with the chip on your shoulder, be the dog, and get the job done. One hell of a scrap, back and forth, back and forth, big shots, big shots, almost knocked out, almost knocked out. I'm shocked that this went to a decision. It just shows the toughness of these dudes. And we've seen Shane in these fights many a times, as well as Clay. Shane's done it against Josh Emmett and many other guys. So i um, glad that they could at least put on a high-quality fight. OAM looks dangerous. It'll be interesting to see the finales for the million dollars in November. Uh, I believe it is an MSG. I saw that that might not be the case, though. But going to the UFC, we have the UFC Fight Night Singapore card. I went six and three in picks. We up there, son. We're 80 and 50 with Boza TKOs, 13 episodes deep. We're plus 30. I mean, come on, that ain't bad. I would say if you're like plus 15, plus 20 at this point, you're pretty solid. 80 and 50, let's keep it going. Uh, some fights that we did not break down. J.J. Aldrich got her first finish ever with a round two TKO over Liang Na. Uh, Billy Goff with the round one TKO, savage fight there. And Garrett Armfield with a round one TKO as well. But we're going to kick it off in the prelims, a fight I did get wrong. We had Michael Olekashuk with a round one TKO over Chidi Noquani. Performance of the night, 50 Gs. And this was well-deserved as well. I mean, Chidi came in hot. He's got the long length advantage. He hits with power. Um, I thought he was going to get the finish. McCall was able to to last the first probably two-minute barrage. And then the rest of the round was all Olekashuk. Um, he put on some power, devastating shots. Had Cheedy rocked up against the cage and got the finish. Um, statistically, Cheedy landed 30 total and 29 significant strikes. He was 0 for two in takedown attempts. And McCall landed 54 total, 44 of those significant with a takedown himself. So McCall, he starts a new winning streak. He moves to three and two since 2022, and Cheedy extends his losing streak to three. He is 3-3 three and three since 2021. Either way, these guys go, it's going to be a banger. So here's some bangers. Give me Michael and Bruno F- Ferreira, the UFC newcomer with a lot of power. And how about Chitty versus Phil Haas? That's a banger. Make it happen. Moving on, we had Waldo Cortez Acosta with a round one knockout over Lukas Breski. And, you know, Waldo, since he's been a contender series guy and earned his contract, we know he comes from a boxing background, possesses some serious power. I'm just waiting for people to really challenge the mixed martial arts of, uh, of, of his game. Lucas did not have that opportunity. I mean, Waldo landed some serious shots and was getting the finish early and only took Waldo 16 total shots, 15 of those significant with the knockdown. And Lucas landed 15 total and 14 significant. So Waldo starts a new winning streak. He has four and one in the UFC. Lucas extends his losing streak to three, and he is still seeking a UFC victory. Um, so what's next? I mean, I really... With Waldo, it could go a lot of ways, but I saw on, I guess we'll call it X, it's not Twitter anymore, on X, Martin hinted about... Uh, This fight, Martin Boudet versus Waldo Acosta-Cortez. The way the rankings look and and the young inexperience of Acosta, that fight makes a ton of sense, so I'm all for it. And for Lucas, you know, if he is still on a UFC roster, he could fight another contender series alum, Jamal Pogues. But massive win by Waldo, massive win by Oleg Shuk in the prelims. In the main card, this was about, I don't know, probably around 9 a.m. Pacific time. I had just gotten back from Montana. I was chilling in bed, watched the fights. I was like, sweet. Uh, We had Junior Tafla with a round one TKO over Parker Porter. Another performance of the night, 50. Jeez. And I did not pick Junior Tafla, but I am not surprised the way this went out. If Junior Tafla has a path to victory, much like his brother, it's going to be with big loopy power shots. And he landed some big shots that put Parker down. I believe it was a body shot, if I remember right. And that really was it. Parker never had an opportunity to close distance, get him up against the cage, or get a takedown like I thought he would. Uh, statistically, Junior landed 11 total strikes, eight of those significant with that knockdown. And Parker only landed three total, two significant, was 0 for, 0 for 1 on the takedown attempts. So Junior starts a new winning streak He gets his first UFC win. He is 1-1 in the UFC. And Parker starts a new losing streak. He is now 2-3 since 2022. Both losses to the Toffa brothers. Uh, Two of his three losses to the brothers. So what's next? Give me junior Chris Barnett. I think that would be awesome. Could be a ton of fun. And for Parker, how about a scrap with Shamil Abdurakimov. Two guys that had lingered the top 15 in the heavyweight division. That should be next. And these next few fights, a lot of implications on the line. We had Erin Blanchfield with a unanimous decision over Talia Santos. And this was really going to be, this was like the Sean omalley Yan fight. Let's really see what Erin can do, what her potential is. And I, I really wanted to see if she could strike with Talia and as well as, as good as Talia's jujitsu is in her grappling, could she just steamroll her like Aaron has been doing the rest of the division? Well, I think we realized that Aaron, although not super technical in advanced striking, she just lacks that experience. She can hang and her grappling is is, is better. Um, not uh, amazingly better. I mean, this was a tip for tap fight uh, as it ended in a unanimous decision, but um, I was just very impressed. She pretty much checked all the boxes. She is... Going to be right in line for a title fight. You know, I'll talk about who she should match up with next here in a minute. Um, but I was impressed. Her gas tank, her durability, her her IQ and fight camp strategy, you know, her and her corner strategy here. Um there there, there wasn't a lot of success and takedowns, a lot of clinch game up against the cage. Reminds me a lot of um Macy Barber and her fight style. But statistically, Aaron landed 119 total strikes. 61 of those were significant. She was 0 for 14 in takedown attempts. And Talia landed 94 total strikes, 55 of those significant. She was 0 for 3 on takedowns herself. A lot of those takedown attempts were up against the cage, grab a single, didn't go. Maybe a trip, a sweep, couldn't go. Um, But Aaron was able to land more strikes on the side of the cage. That really made the difference. So cold-blooded Aaron Blanchfield extends her winning streak to 9. 9. She is 6-0 in the UFC. She moves up one spot in the rankings to number two. And Talia extends her losing streak to two. She has not won since November of 2021. She stays at four in the rankings. So I know Aaron asked for a title fight in her post-fight interview. I don't think the UFC needs to rush her. She's still young. I do think the winner of Manon Firo and Rose Namajunas this weekend, they're going to put on a show. The winner of that's going to get the next title shot this weekend. But Aaron, you know, she could try to wait, you know, go to the gym and prove her game. Or she could take on another test. How about Caitlin Chukagian? Kind of the gatekeeper of the division. Really high quality striker herself. I'm all for it. Hopefully Aaron is as well. Um, But what a great performance by Aaron. Cold-blooded Blanchfield. And then another fight I got wrong. But uh, the reason being makes a lot of sense. We had Giga Chik- Chikadze back in the octagon. Unanimous decision over Alex Caceres. And Alex Caceres' um, first round came out dominant. I mean, Giga's been out for quite some time. And Bruce Leroy was in his face, killing him with volume, moving him in all the right spots. And didn't let Giga get the power shots uh, in close where he could land. But the problem was, is Giga threw that high Giga kick. Alex went to block it, broke his forearm in the first round I figured maybe uh, Giga hits too hard, or Alex tired himself out a little bit, because you could see the volume and the the just the pace he was fighting really still out rounds two and three. He was still smiling. He still went after it. The fact that he's still throwing with a broke forearm, what a badass! Um, but you know, the forearm was a big was a big piece in this fight here. I think if that did not happen, you know, Alex only needed to win one more round. And uh, he, he still put up good volume the rest of the fight. I mean, you look at the stats over the fight, they're pretty even. Giga landed 65 total and significant. Alex, 62 total and significant. Easily, Alex won round one. Giga round two. Round three was pretty close. So, um, you know, I might be a little biased here, but Alex, without the broken forearm, definitely potential. Brutal loss for Alex at this point in his career. He's chipped into the top 15, got pushed out. Chipped back in, got pushed out, fought young and upward comers, got pushed back. He was right back to where he wanted to be. Giga, I think, is overrated in the rankings. Still a quality fighter. I'm not saying that by any means. But Alex has been there, done that. He's so experienced. Brutal, brutal loss. Huge win back for Giga to get right back to where he was after the layoff. So Giga starts a new winning streak after that year and a half off. He is three and one since 2021. He's been rolling. He moves up one spot in the rankings to number eight. And Alex ends his two-fight winning streak. He does start a new losing streak and stays at 15 in the rankings. He moves to four and two since 2021. So he's been cruising pretty good the past couple years as well. So what's next? Well, we talked about this on Matchmaker Monday. But give me Giga Chikadze and Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett, a little bit higher up in him than him in the rankings, an experienced guy. Uh, I think that's a great stylistic matchup, a win-win for both guys. You know, Josh gets a win there. You know, he's right back to where he wants to be. And then for Alex, how about Damon Jackson? I think the, the pace these guys would put on, the kickboxing, that would be a ton of fun as well. You know, either of these guys fight, I'm tuning in. Uh, but great, great fight, big win for Giga. Tough break, you know, no pun intended for Bruce Leroy. And then we had the veteran rematch. Anthony Smith with a split decision victory over Ryan Spann. We're judging this fight or on this card in general. You know, again, I'm watching it in bed. Not like completely tuned in. Maybe 85% tuned in. Anthony definitely won round one. But I had Ryan winning rounds two and three, especially with the bigger shots. You know, everyone wants to take damage, the big shots. Anthony might have landed a little bit more volume in those rounds, but barely. And he didn't land the big shots, he didn't have the devastating shots. So I thought for sure the judges were going to give it to Ryan Span. But Anthony Smith, Lionheart, stays back in the winning call. And that's got to be so sweet. Um, statistically, Anthony landed 91 total strikes, 91 of those significant he had a takedown in three attempts and Ryan landed 62 total 59 of those significant he was 0 for 1 in takedown attempts a lot of that volume was definitely round 1 heavy though and uh you know this is uh we'll, we'll 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 go through this first i guess anthony ends his two fight losing streak he does start a new winning streak his only win since 2020 uh only wins now are Ryan Span twice and Jimmy Croot Ryan extends his losing streak to two. He is two and two since 2022. They both stay at six and 10. Anthony six span is 10 in the rankings. So as much as Anthony Smith has done in his career, obviously he works the desk now. His only wins Ryan spanned twice. Jimmy crew since the very beginning of 2020. Uh, This has got to be sweet to get back in the win column, but this almost shows the regression of his career. The first time he gets a takedown submits Ryan pretty easily. This time, the big difference maker was the huge, huge, I believe, right hand it was. It just swelled Anthony's eye completely shut. I mean, this thing was, they almost looked at calling the fight, but the bruise was above the eye where his eye could stay open. And, uh, you know, Anthony talked about not being able to see. He battled, he, he, you know, when you're getting hit with a shot like that early round two, you have all of round two, round three, after a round, you just won. Some guys could easily crumble and lose that fight, but Anthony Smith fought back. He got the job done, did enough to get the victory, although I don't really agree with it, Um, but that's brutal. I mean, he came over a lot of adversity, and it's crazy how some of these shots, it just glanced, and that's all it takes. It wasn't even a flush hit, but the power that Superman span has is no freaking joke, but uh, great for Anthony. He's a legend of the sport. I think a fight with Nikita Krylov would make it a lot of sense for Lion for Lionheart and for Ryan. How about another hard hitter, Alonzo Manafield? That's the fight to make. But this is all about the main event. I mean, the Max Holloway show, the Korean zombie. How about that walkout? I'm sure everyone saw it. It went viral. Um, they come they they did it after the fight as well. Zombie, hey, hey. I fucking loved it. I love that song. I love the moment. I've been seeing the memes uh, on social media. It says UFC fans all week just sitting in their office singing the zombie song. But Max Holloway is a freaking stud, man. You know, yes, the Korean zombie's in retirement mode. Yes, he said this might be his last stand. But he went out on his fucking sword. Round three just said, fuck it, if I'm going to do it, I'm not going to win a decision. I'm not going to outstrike Max tit for tat. I got to go for the kill shot. Max sat in the pocket, delivered a beautiful right hand, sat the zombie down, and it's not easy to knock out the Korean zombie. He's, you know, he's a legend of the sport. Of course, he was a little little reckless there, but that's a big, big finish for Max. It just builds his confidence that much more, Uh, especially after the Hawaii situation. I mean, there's a lot of storylines coming into the main event. And uh, he had the power Hawaii in his hands. Everyone calls him Pillow Hands Max Holloway. No more! Um, Statistically, Max landed 75 total strikes and 75 significant. He did have a submission attempt and two knockdowns. Uh, Chan had 35 total strikes, 34 of those significant. He was 0 for 1 in takedown attempts. He did land some big counters. He did have a, a, a few moments. And with the power that the zombie has, you never know. I mean, there's always that chance. But Max, if it was going to a decision, was on his way to cruising. The Korean zombie said, fuck it, let's go. And uh, Max landed the kill shot. So Max extends his winning streak to two. He hasn't lost to anyone since April of 2019. Um, Has it lost to anyone since April of 2019 besides Dustin Poirier and Alexander Volkanovsky? Uh, the Korean zombie ends his career on a two-fight losing streak. He's one in three since 2019. He hasn't been very active but had some issues with COVID, had the mandatory military service, so he missed a big chunk of his of his prime, sadly. Um, but this is where things get interesting. There is not a clear path forward by any means for Max Holloway. If there is a fighter that has the most question marks about, like, what the hell do we do with this guy, it's Max Holloway's 0 for 3 against Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, the new UFC 5 EA Sports cover athlete. Um, in my mind, the only meaningful fight for Max, because he's pretty much swept everybody out, is Ilya Taporia. But it looks like Volk is trying to protect that prospect as Max has been eliminating all the dudes, the Arnold Allens of the world. Um, and with Aljo losing, obviously Aljo's not going to go up. I, d- I doubt Volk waits around to see what happens in this uh, islam charles Oliveira fight. You know, that would include another move up. So I'm assuming he's going to fight Ilya. So that kind of eliminates this for Max. And instead of beating up on, you know, the the 10 to 15s of the featherweight division or the Young Bucks, why not do another OG fight, like a lightweight or catchweight bout? And I know RDA just went up again. But give me RDA, Rafael Dos Anjos, Max Holloway, an OG fight. They've never fought. I think that would be fantastic. That would be a fight that gets the juices going for both guys. There'll be storylines for days, and it's going to sell. So I talked about that on Matchmaker Monday. You know, you get a win here. Let featherweight continue to shake out. You know, depending where Conor McGregor is, and if he ever passes USADA and gets to fight again, if that Chandler-Conor fight actually happens in probably January, maybe February, You have an opportunity to fight Connor again for a rematch. It'd be a shit ton of fun. I'm sure Connor would be down for that as well. So give me Max Holloway. Give me RDA. And then um, for the Korean Zombie, again, fucking tip of the cap to you. One hell of a career. We'll never forget the, the moment of him walking in and walking out to that song. Lots of cool feelings and emotions for the Korean Zombie in fucking Singapore, man. Talking about some overseas... Action, we're keeping it going this weekend. UFC Fight Night Paris. Prelims on ESPN+, Plus. main card on ESPN+. Plus, and it's not as early as Singapore, but the prelims, 9.30 Pacific, 12.30 Pacific is the main card, st- or 12 o'clock Pacific is the main card start. And some fights we won't break down, but we have uh, Koloan Luron, a Cage Warriors alum, taking on Giannis Gamori, a Brave alum, UFC debuts, kicking off the main card. That should be a fantastic fight. But we're going in the prelims. Um, The card's gotten changed like six times. This was the opening fight. I didn't agree with it. It's the second fight now. But we got Fareed Ferocious Basharat, the 26-year-old fighter, undefeated, 10-0, taking on Kledson K.R. Rodriguez, the 27-year-old fighter with an 8-2 record. Now... This is a tremendous fight of two really young stud prospects. As of now, this is uh, really early in the card, so it's happening pretty early in the morning. Again, I don't agree with that. I think this is going to be a high-paced, highly skilled striking back-and-forth affair that's just going to be fantastic to watch. So make sure to tune in early. If not, you can watch it back on ESPN+. But breaking it down... Fareed is an undefeated fighter. 10 fight winning streak. He is 2-0 in the UFC. He's a contender series alum. Five of his 10 wins are via submission. And he does have a 4-inch reach advantage. Now, Kledson, he trains out of Team Noguera. He's on a one-fight winning streak. He is a contender series and jungle fight alum. And four of his eight wins are via knockout. Now, Personally, I think Fareed's just more well-rounded, a little bit more technical than Kledson. I think uh, he might try to mix in some grappling moments in this fight. And Kledson's just very non-traditional. He comes at you at weird angles. He's going to keep the gas on the pedal and just fucking go for it all three rounds. This is going to be fantastic. It's in the prelim, so I doubt it gets fight of the night, but it's going to be that quality of a fight. Um, I am taking the undefeated Fareed Basharat. I am putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on, in the main card, again, not a super deep card, we got Vulcan no time Ozdemir, 33 years old with an 18-7 and record and the number 9 next to his name, taking on Bogdan Gost, Gustav, Guskov, 30 years old with a 14-2 record. Now, Vulcan was supposed to fight Azamat Mirzakhanov but he pulled out. So he gets a guy in his prime, he's rolling, making his UFC debut, and boy, does he have power in his hands. Now, Vulcan has a kickboxing style. He's an orthodox fighter. He trains at a Kill Cliff FC. He was a 2017 Breakthrough Fighter of the Year. He's on a one-fight losing streak and is one and two since 20, uh, 2021, so hasn't been super active. He is a Bellator alum, and 12 of his 18 wins are via knockout. Now, Bogdan is on a four-fight winning streak. 12 of his 14 wins are via knockout. This is not going to go to the the judge's scorecard. I highly doubt it. Um, Bogdan has only been in the third round once in his pro career. He got a finish early in the third round when it did, so hasn't gone to a decision. I think this is going to be back and forth striking the whole first round. I'd almost assume Bogdan brings more pressure to Vulcan. Watch out for those counter-strikes. And if the longer the fight go, goes, I think the, the more it will um, favor Vol- Vulcan-Ozdemir. Now, um, this is going to get ruthless. It's going to get reckless. But I'm taking Vulcan. I am putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. <clears throat> Another great fight of the night potential here. We got Benoit God of War Saint Denis, the 27 year old fighter with an 11 and 1 record, taking on Tiago Moises, the 28 year old fighter with a 17 and 6 record. Again, fight of the night potential. Both men just on the edge of hitting their prime. When you have two young guys like this fighting in their primes right on the edge of the top 15, especially Tiago, who's been there before, it means a lot because. Then you're fighting those young killers in the lightweight division. It's very deep. You want to move back in there, have that chance, and uh, a loss to each other kind of eliminates you from that opportunity. And uh, Benoit just fought in the last Paris card, and I believe it was a first-round finish. So breaking it down, Tiago has a BJJ background, obviously with the black belt. He's a southpaw fighter. He trains at ATT. He's a contender series LFA and RFA alum. He is on a two-fight winning streak, and eight of his 17 wins are via submission. Now, Benoit is a southpaw fighter as well. He's got a black belt in judo, a brown belt in BJJ. He is on a three-fight winning streak. He's a brave alum. Nine of his 11 wins are via submission, and he does have a a two-and-a-half-inch reach advantage. Now, Benoit, he's on a very impressive run tiago though is so experienced at only 28 in ufc competition i think he's ready for a run in the lightweight division he's got patient but powerful striking great grappling ability and benoit has been reckless it's been working for him he's going to come in hot i think Thiago's is going to have to weather the storm look for the counters look to get him up against the cage wear on him i am betting on the underdog Tiago Moises, I am putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. The dogs are coming to eat. Hoo-hoo. Speaking of dogs, man, we got a dog right here. Not, not enough people talking about her. We got Rose Thug Nama Eunice, the 31-year-old fighter with a 12-5 and record and the number two next to her name, taking on Manone the Beast Firo. 33 years old with a 10-1 and record and the number two next to her name. She's technically number two flyweight. Rose is number two strawweight. First fight in flyweight. Now, what's wild to me is that everything Rose has been through, she is two years younger than Manone. Manone was a stud prospect, came in, has really just beat the brakes off anyone and everyone, and still has not had a title shot. Both women... Such highly skilled strikers. This is going to make for a very, very interesting fight. And I can't wait to see how Rose looks in the flyweight division. She's getting a thumper in her first bout. Breaking it down, Rose has black belts in karate, karate, taekwondo, and a brown belt in BJJ. She's the former strawweight champion with two successful title defenses um, and one her first time. So three... Title defenses, two on one run, one on another. Six of her last seven fights have been title fights. 31 years old, six of her last seven fights have been title fights and no one's given her credit. Oh, the last fight against Carla Esparza, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to bring that fight back up. It was not fun to watch, but you got to beat the champ to be the champ. Carla did not beat the champ. She became the champ. It's just drama, man. But uh, she's tied with Zhang Wei for second most title fights in UFC women's strawweight division history with four. A woman that she's defeated twice, by the way. Three of her last five fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night. She's fucking thug Rose. Put some respect on her name. She is tied with Amanda Lamosh and Jessica Andrade for the most finishes in UFC women's strawweight division history with five. She is the first woman in UFC history to regain a championship title after losing it. She's about to do it again. She holds victories over three former UFC strawweight champions, Joanna Young Jacek, Jessica Andrade, and Zhang Weile. She was the 2017 MMA Fighter of the Year, and she had the upset of the year against Joanna Young Jacek. She's the 2021 Female Fighter of the Year, the 2017 Knockout of the Year against Joanna. She is an Invicta and Ultimate Fighter alum. She's on a one-fight losing streak, and five of her 11 wins are via submission. Now, Manone is a Southpaw fighter. She has a black belt in karate and a brown belt in BJJ. She is a Cage Warriors alum. She's on a 10-fight winning streak, and her only um, loss was her pro debut. She is 5-0 since in the UFC. Again, if anyone wants it more than any girl, it's going to be Manone in her prime. She's already at 33. She hasn't tasted a title shot yet and hasn't lost in the UFC. She's full of confidence. You could hear that in the interviews this week. Six of her 10 wins are via knockout. Again, you know, the storyline is how can Rose do in a division up? We see this with men all the time. There's going to be a difference. I think a lot of that's going to be the power. Manone's a power striker, man. Compared to her competition, she hits harder. I do believe she will have the power advantage in this fight. So Rose is going to have to be careful. But Rose is a sniper, boy. Uh, she mixes things so well in in the course of a fight. I think Rose is going to win with volume. I think she's going to make the fight close distance. I think she's going to end up winning on the scorecards. But she's going to bring the fight to Manone. Manone typically brings the fight to her her opponents. And I wouldn't be surprised if Rose mixes in a little bit of grappling, some takedowns just to keep Manon guessing. But I think she's going to look to outstrike her and let the world remember that Thug Rose is fucking amazing. I am taking Thug Rose. Let me look. I think she's an underdog. I love when the dogs hit, you know what I'm saying? Plus 162. Hammer your money on, Thug Rose. We're taking the underdog. The dogs are coming to eat. Hoo-hoo. I'm putting her on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on to the main event. We got Cyril Bongamin-Gon, the 33-year-old fighter with an 11-2 record and the number two next to his name, taking on Sergey Polar Bear Spivak, 28 years old, with a 16-3 and record and the number seven next to his name. Now, this is a clash of styles, a little bit different in the main event. It's really going to be interesting to see the mentality and how Cyril shows up in front of the hometown crowd after his terrible outing against the GOAT, John Bones Jones. It's not easy to come back from losses like that. He didn't even get a fight like a minute. And Sergey... He's going to have a huge advantage with the grappling. That's why he is where he is. A win here for Sergey. He's right there on the the cusp of a title shot. I think Cyril is going to be prepared though. I don't think he was prepared for what John did so early. I think he's going to show us the best version of himself in his prime, in the home crowd. I think he shows up, he shows out. When we break it down, Cyril has a Muay Thai style. He trains out of the MMA factory he is a former heavyweight interim champion. Two of his last four fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night. Guy's a stud, man. 2021 Breakthrough Fighter of the Year. He's on a one-fight losing streak and is 4-2 and two since 2021. Five of his 11 wins are via knockout. And he does have a three-inch reach advantage in this fight. Now, Sergey is an orthodox fighter. He's an Eagles alum. He's on a three-fight winning streak. Seven of his 16 wins are via knockout, seven via submission. So 14 of his 16 wins are via finish, and two of his three losses are via knockout. Watch out for those knees. I think Searle is going to put on a display like the Sugar Show did this past weekend. I think he moves too well and too much for Sergey to get a takedown. I think the first round, he's going to try to keep things distance, measure him out, move, move, move. Couple kicks and couple strikes from the outside. And then it really gets interesting rounds two on. And I think he's going to snipe himself a knockout just like Sean O'Malley did. I think he keeps Sergey at range. And uh, I'm taking Cyril gone. I am putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down and we getting that bread. Again, what are we, 80 and 50? Boza TKO's 80 and 50. I don't always hit with all the dogs. But I'm feeling good with some dogs. We got Tiago Moises, Rose Name Yunus, and I can't wait to see Cyril Gon back in action. It's going to be a fun Paris card, a little bit earlier action. I'll be golfing in the morning, come back, put some fights on. And then next week, another pay-per-view card, UFC 293 in Sydney, Australia. Not a very deep pay-per-view card, but some exciting fights. We get the style bender, Israel Adesanya, taking on Sean Strickland. But that's Bo's of TKO's episode 13. We back in the valley, back in studio. I'm your host, Shane Gillette. See you next week.